0: Heavily, donks look at us now tip to tip this is our life this is our passion that's the spirit we bring to this show i'm luke thomas i'm brian campbell this is morning combat yes indeed it is the 12th of april 2021 and it is time for morning combat donks hello everyone my name is luke thomas i am one half of your hosting duo joining me on the other side of the screen is a bc who looks a little bit different Uh, of course because it's not bc he's on vacation it is my friend and yours ufc hall of Famer, cbs sports commentator for combat sports and analysis and a whole lot more it's rashad evans hi mr evans how are you
1: what's going on lt man i'm just chilling enjoying a beautiful day in south florida how are
0: you I am okay, it's a, uh, what kind of weather is it? It's a little bit over, it's like England today in the nation's capital, so it's not so great, but we had a pretty good weekend. A lot of combat sports over the weekend. Did you watch everything live or did you just catch it all later? What'd you do this weekend?
1: I watched everything live, man. I, uh, I, I had a treat, and it's very rare that I get to sit back and be a true fan and watch everything as it airs live, but I got lucky and watched everything live.
0: Where are you on fans versus no fans? As a fan, when you're watching, do you like the fans oh, being man. there or not being there?
1: I like the fans being there. I really do, man. It just adds a different kind of energy to just watching a, a live event. You know, it just kind of it just put a little punctuation, I guess, on the energy level. And uh, I miss it, man. I really do. Yeah,
0: I'm so glad they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, uh, here's the thing. It's like someone was trying to make a point. They were saying that like if you watched, and I think this is true. A 12 round boxing fight without the audience pretty clearly is missing something because it's so long it's like you know it's like 36 minutes or so when you add up all of the different rounds plus "Hello, hello there's a minute in between so it's actually more than that so it ends up being you know quite a long time without some kind of conversation with the audience but like for example when they did poirier versus hooker at the apex and you could hear those two rams you know just crashing into each other all the time I gotta tell you, I feel like yeah, the fans would have made that better in a different way, but it was also good in a different way that they weren't there. It's my two cents.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that, man. Um, and having had experience, you know, firsthand being in the, the arena at the Apex Center when there's no fans in there, it does add just a, a different kind of you know respect to what these guys are doing in there because when you hear the impact. And you see the guy still standing after he got cl- clocked with that crazy shot. Then it just adds, like, okay, these guys are really, really hitting.
0: Uh, all right. We got a lot to get to today. Let's see. We've got uh, UFC from the weekend, uh, Rashad. We've got Bellator from the weekend. We got a little Jerron Ennis to get to. We got your questions um, and a whole lot more. So let's start things off. Give the video a thumbs up hit that subscribe button if you're new to mk welcome we appreciate it uh let's see we've got if you want to try showtime you certainly can oh yeah here's our social by the way you can see it's all underneath sugar rashad evans is smart enough to keep his name the same between twitter and instagram <laughs> i am not so i've got a little bit of a different there but morning combat is the same across both as well um if you'd like to try showtime you certainly can you can go to showtime.com get a 30 day free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can pound sand and if you want to take the plunge. You can see the URL right there, show.com slash Bellator MMA. If you sign up, you get the first six months for $4.99 a month for the entirety of the Showtime experience, whatever is live on the air, plus all of the on-demand library uh, there. Uh, We got to get Rashad Evans some merch, I feel like. Do you have any MK merch?
1: Man, I have no MK merch, man. I, I, I normally wear a combat shirt, but because this is morning combat, I didn't want to get the confusion going. Normally the fans are like, hey, where is this shirt? And I don't want to point that out, make it, you know, more obvious that I don't have any any gear yet. But uh, yeah, I need some I need some MK gear.
0: Okay. I'm gonna have a conversation with some folks after the show. We gotta get some <laughs> headed your way. So uh, we'll see yeah. if we can figure that out. But for you other folks out there who are like Rashad Okay. maybe you're not a UFC Hall of Famer, but you ain't got no MK clothes. You can go to store.show.com, and of course, we've got a whole series of uh, merch items um, on the way here pretty soon. And, uh, Rashad, anything you want to plug?
1: Nah, no plugs for me, man. All right. No plugs. All right,
0: well, let's get things started. We got a lot of show to get to. Let's kick it off here on this Monday edition. Let's start with the biggest story in the MMA world from the weekend. It, of course, was UFC on ABC2, and in that main event... UFC middleweight Marvin Vittori defeated Kevin Holland via unanimous decision. Frankly, it was never close. Um, I don't I think all the scores were 50-44 across the board. So he had at least one 10-8 round in the course of that. And of course, and you saw it as well as I did, Rashad. Marvin Vittori basically following the Derek Brunson game plan. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So let's start here. Number one. What was your biggest takeaway from that victory? And then, second part of the question, which we'll get to in a minute, did it earn him a title shot? But let's start with the first biggest takeaway.
1: Uh, biggest takeaway, you know, it was a smart fight by Marvin. Uh, you know, Kevin Holland's very dangerous on his feet, and, and he mitigated all uh, any any dangers by taking him down. But his chain grappling was really really impressed me. You know, he was able to not only hold Kevin down, but you know, advance his position, going from one. Uh, position to the next and, and really not allowing it to get in that position where the referee could stand it up because it, the action got stale. Um, I would have liked to see more ground and pound in certain positions, but uh, for the most part, he, he did enough to get the job done. Um, now, does this warrant a title shot? I don't think so. I mean, just because of the fact that, you know, I mean, Kevin Holland is a tough out and, you know, especially taking on short notice, but at the same time, I just didn't see that punctuation on the fight to show that you know to show that Marvin is is in that conversation of being a title contender. I think you know when you're going for the title, I think there needs to be that 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 hype around it at first. There needs to be a performance where the fans are like, "Yo, this guy needs to be in there." I don't know what the UFC is thinking for not having him in there. I think that needs to be in order to have somebody. To, you know to the challenge of a guy like israel adesanya because israel is much ctv and you want to see him get a dance partner as such we don't want to just continuously just feed him to feed him but we want to make it interesting we want to make it you know a blockbuster if we can or close to as a blockbuster you can so i think there's a little bit more heavy lifting on marvin's part in order to get that and with one uh more impressive win i think he does get that
0: yeah i think he's one win away too i want to we'll get to that in just a second let me uh um... Let me say this. like On Friday's show, Rashad, what I had argued was, uh, because at that point, obviously, we had known that uh, Darren Till was going to be out. That was the originally scheduled opponent, and Kevin Holland was going to fill in. And I thought to myself, if you're Marvin Vittori, um, this, is a, this is something of an IQ test. You just saw Derek Brunson do what he did to Kevin Holland. I'm not saying that I think Marvin Vittori is Derek Brunson, Rashad. What I'm saying is... If you're Marvin Vittori and you saw what Derek Brunson did, you had to like your chances to be able to follow a similar kind of game plan if you needed to. Why would you strike with this guy on the feet for any, you know, pronounced amount of time if that's not a choice you needed to take? And, you know, I Marvin Vittori, you know, he's a bit aggro. He's a bit kind of bro, dude, screaming and I don't know, in a different world, he'd be you know, eating beer cans and, uh, I don't know, doing crazy stunts or something. He decided to do MMA, my point being is he gets a bit of a reputation for a guy who doesn't make uh, rational choices, and he's kind of aggro. I don't know. He showed me five rounds of rational choices. Was it the most exciting rational choices? Okay, maybe not. But there's a lot of ways that could have gone wrong. You've come all this way. Uh, it's a last minute switch. Darren Till is not Kevin Holland. Someone set it up for you. I don't know. I kind of feel like people should be like, yeah, was I blown away? No, I was not blown away. But was I impressed that this guy was able to follow a disciplined game plan for 25 minutes on a short notice opponent in the main event on ABC? Yeah, Rashad, I guess I am.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think for the most part, um, yeah, you're you're right. You know, he he went in there and he definitely uh, did what he needed to do, and and he definitely got his IQ points for being able to follow that that solid game plan that Derek Brunson laid out. But I feel like it was kind of you know um, a miss for for Kevin Holland in the sense that you know with, with Marvin Vittori, he's someone that you can definitely engage with in a verbal banter and get a reaction from. You know, Vitoria is not going to shy away from from trash talking or, or getting in that kind of confrontation. You can emotionally engage him all day. And I don't really see that from Kevin Holland. And I think he would have been able to, uh, I guess, I can't even say. It's hard to say what he been, would have been able to do, but it, it may have uh, made the fight take a different kind of complexion if Vittoria would have fought on that emotional, po- uh, that emotional sense, you know, when, when it comes to decision making, you know, if you're not too emotionally engaged, then it's easier to make the smarter choice. And it, and it was easier for Marvin to make the smart choice over and over again with that takedown.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, yes, that sounds, that sounds absolutely right to me. And uh, one thing I've kind of noticed with him a little bit too, Rashad, I wonder how you feel about this because I saw you were planning your training slash coaching schedule for the day before the show started. Vittori's got pretty good takedowns along the fence. We saw it in the Adesanya fight. We saw it here too. He'll press people into the fence, Rashad, but like he won't spend a whole lot of time there. He's got takedowns on the fence where he'll press you there to like, to To restart the position, or or you know hold it in place for a second, and then he pulls you off of it, and then sends you in a series of chain directions to get you to pick one way, and then he goes the opposite. It's pretty effective.
1: Yeah, it was really effective. You know, he really showed that um, his IQ with, with with grappling and wrestling is at a higher level because you know the way he pulled off the cage and how he was able to draw the level and kind of just beat. Kevin Holland to the angle even before securing a takedown, which allowed him to fall uh, fall into position to be on top in the takedown position. It was a really slick way of getting a takedown, and it was one that was a low cost energy uh, uh, takedown. And when you're looking at you know the takedowns in MMA, one thing that makes them so uh, a dreaded thing to go for over and over again because it is is the the energy that you have to give on those takedowns. But if you know Vittori's showing that he's able to get these takedowns without expending too much effort. And too much energy, then some of the guys, you know, like the Israel, the signing guys, who have a hard time or may have a hard time getting up, could be in trouble because if you don't got to spend too much energy, then the, the effort that you can put on top is that much more.
0: A um, couple things I would say also about Vittori that I like, and are things that I'm a little bit worried about. Uh, we have seen Rashad situations. I'm trying to think if there was a situation. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's true for you too. When you fought Tiago Silva. That wasn't your originally scheduled opponent,
1: was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't.
0: So let me ask you about this. We have seen people are like, oh, he should have finished Kevin Holland. But it's like Derek Brunson couldn't finish him. Kevin Holland, his takedown defense, not great. We'll talk about him in just a second. But like, if you look at the numbers, he doesn't take a ton of abuse underneath, right? When he gets taken down, he's pretty good about, for the most part, staying out of trouble. He doesn't advance the fight, really, but he doesn't get like you know run over or something. Uh, so I, I, I appreciate that, you know, Vittorio able to get the takedown, although we didn't do much with it, but here's my point. A lot of times headliners, when they get a last minute opponent change, you don't necessarily see the best of them. They get the job done, but they, you know, they get real different about the risk calculus there. There's probably a lot of factors in play. When you fought Tiago Silva, I think you headlined that card. I think we were USC 103 or something, something like that. Yeah. Did you feel that way?
1: Yeah, I wanted to get the finish, but at the same time, I really wanted to get the win more than anything. I think, um, you know, when a guy's coming in and you have a short notice fight, um, you know that you're going to go out there and you're going to put the pressure on them. You're going to try to do what you need to do, but for the most part, you're not going to. You're not going to try to, you know. Uh, take too many chances for the most part because you know that this all these guys have is that chance. So you're going to keep the pressure on you and keep it steady. Now, if this fight is going to take any kind of different look, it's up until the guy who's coming in to challenge to make it so that, okay, now I have to change up the level in which I was fighting, and then now I can raise the bar on you. But for the most part, if I got you and um, and, and it's a last-minute fight, I'm gonna go and put that pressure on, and if there's a position or if there's there's something that I see that you're not doing, then I'm gonna put then I'm gonna put more pressure on you in that area. But if you're not gonna show me that 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 glaring hole, then I'm gonna keep the I'm gonna keep it status quo and just get the W. Uh,
0: okay, so let's talk about the second part of this real quickly, if we can, Rashad, which is to earn him a title shot? See, I'm a, I'm of the position, Rashad, that I'll give. Uh, vittori credit for making the smart rational choices to get his hand raised when facing a dangerous if somewhat limited opponent and a short notice main event situation i think he made the right call at the same time if you're going to make that call which is something of a safer choice if you're going to do that you can't go out there and say i've done everything i possibly could To earn a title shot. To me, this was just evidence that his win over Jack Hermanson was no fluke. Not that people thought it was, but I'm saying, yes, this big dude can go 25 minutes. He can make smart, rational choices to get his hand raised. But has he done enough to get a title shot? It's like, dude, Robert Whitaker fights this weekend. A, you could already give it to him. B, if he beats Kelvin Gastelum, how do you not give the title shot to Robert Whitaker? I think that's where I come down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I totally agree. You know, um, you know, Marvin's had two great fights back to back, but at the end of the day, it's not with that punctuation that you really feel you need to see. I mean, you have some worthy contenders ahead of him that uh, are definitely more deserving, and it will take that punctuation. That, that's what it takes about. That's what it means about that punctuation. When you have that punctuation, then you have the ability to leapfrog over the the worthy contenders who might be. Uh, more deserving for than 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 you. You know what I'm saying? So I, that's what that's what uh Marvin really needs to consider. The fact that yeah w- with the knockout he could have leapfrogged past those guys and got a title shot. But without it, now he, he needs to have another solid win against a top guy. And then and then from there he definitely earned a title shot. But I think he has one more title shot. And I don't really believe that you know he should even rush to try to get a title shot. If he wants to be champion, he wants to hold that belt for a while, take your time. Knock off another top contender and then go for the belt.
0: That's the other part, too. It's like, okay, he didn't finish Holland because I'll give him the short notice exception. But also, it's like if you look at his last few fights, it's a lot of decisions. He's gotten yeah. a lot better, Rashad. He's gotten a lot better. But that, that, I wonder if you could speak to this. There's ways to like get parts of your game where you don't make the same mistakes or you really improve certain parts of it. But I also feel like there's another gear separate from that that fighters can either sometimes get into or develop where they they get much better at finishing. That's, yeah. He hasn't quite gotten there yet, has he?
1: No, he hasn't. And that's when a guy... Is, is is close to his mastery level. When you see guys close to the mastery level, and by mastery level, I mean like, you know, there's always a skill set that we all learn, but it's when I start to separate in my skill set is when I start to, uh, Get my skill set to the point where it becomes automatic, where I can land my overhand right like I landed on Chuck and, it, and it's and it's known for knocking people out or something like that. You know, something along those lines where you just see like it, it's almost like a finishing move and it doesn't you know, they, they can hit it on anybody, you know, and I, I just don't see that kind of. Uh, that kind of technique out of Marvin yet out of out of any technique, you know, not even I can't say, oh, yeah, but well, he needs to watch out for this for Marvin. He needs to watch out for Marvin's left hook or something. You know, there, there's not that one thing. And because there's not that one thing, he needs to definitely develop that one thing or multiple things. So that way it, it is a conversation for whoever he has to fight and, and they have to prepare for that.
0: All right, so let's talk about Kevin Holland here, real briefly. Then we have to call an audible. There's something of a breaking story we'll get to here, but first, Kevin Holland, I didn't, I didn't like this gamble, Rashad, and I, you know, it's funny. Like I'll see decisions that fighters make before fights, like should I take it, should I not, or or, or an organization, should we attempt this business effort, should we not. And those are revealing because I, I've found that through that I'm a little bit more risk hesitant than some other players in the space. Which fine, you know, there, there's both positives and negatives to that. I don't present that to you as like a a a, um, a, a better alternative. It's you know it's got strength and weaknesses like any position. But what I mean to say is I didn't like this gamble because you had to ask yourself: Can Marvin? Does Marvin Vittori have enough of the skills of what Brunson was able to do over Kevin Holland? to follow a similar game plan? You had to know the answer was yes. And I appreciated that Kevin Holland showed a little bit more fire here, a little bit more working off of his back, a little less trash talk, a little more focus. But why would you go and get audited against Derek Brunson and then go up against the guy who can do most of that auditing himself without the time in between to fix the reasons why you got audited I didn't like this gamble at all what do do you make of the choice he made and what should he do next
1: well it's it's the old saying right the same things that make you laugh will make you cry in 2020 (laughs) he blessed us all right he blessed us all with great uh fights by taking them short notice sometimes and you know he's had some great performances in 2020 and um you know, I, I thought that this is a good way for him to kind of right that wrong that happened in a Derek Brunson, and I was thinking that you know what, there's a possibility that 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 takedown and him being held on doesn't happen in this fight because, you know, if if you look at the fight where he fought Jacare, Jacare took him taking him down, and we knew at that point, okay, it, it was might have been a wrap for Kelvin Holland because if anybody gets him down, especially Jacare you know, he's going to do his thing. But when Kevin knocked him out, we were thinking, okay, well, this guy, you know, has, has some confidence. He has some game off his back to be able to do something like that for Jacare. So I thought that maybe, maybe there was a little bit of fool's gold in in that Derek Brunson. So, but, but it, it really wasn't, it really wasn't. And, um, that's, that's the thing with, with, with this whole Kevin Holland situation is the fact that, you know, uh, you know, he, he needs to seriously take some time. And, and get better and develop that area of his game.
0: All right, let's. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll last question on this: How long should he sit out? If you're, if you're Kevin Holland, you're sitting on three weeks. Of, it was a bad, you know, last three weeks for you. How long do you wait before you come back?
1: He's got, he's got to wait at least, uh, at least a few months. At least, uh, I would say probably about, I'll say probably about five, six months. And and, and I and I say that because not only does he have to grow in this area, but he's got to get back that same mindset that he had before. Like he's taken a bit of a mental uh, step back, you know, like like mentally speaking, he's not sounding the same as he was. I met this guy, I met him uh, at, at the Fighters Hotel and he was fiery. He was so fiery. Uh, he almost got in a fight with, with Israel Adesanya when I tried to introduce him, you know, just, just, uh You know, uh, back, you know, when when we were at the hotel, like they almost got into it and he was just that fiery. You know what I'm saying? He wanted to fight everybody. I want to see that guy again. I want to see the guy who wanted to fight everybody again. And he's just not there now. He's kind of conceding to the fact that he's getting beat. If you're the number one in the world, you don't you never concede to you never concede to losing. You never do. And I'm seeing him concede to it. And I think more, more or less than his skill level with the wrestling. I think mentally he needs a reset.
0: Yeah, when he gets wrapped up and someone presses him into the cage, and so let's say it's a fifty-fifty one overhook, one underhook, you know, and the person's trying to fi- the person taking him down, is trying to figure out the next steps to get to the legs or you know whatever they're doing, he's not real urgent, is he? He's not really like I, I, you know, not that you want to freak out, but that you want to take real concerted steps to stop and separate what's happening here. And you look at his messages on social media afterwards, and it's like you know I got humped. Well, Jorge Masvidal complains about getting humped too. But then he brings in Bo Nickel in practice. You know what I mean? He's bringing in like three-time national champions from Penn State to get him ready. So he does the jibber-jabbering about it, but he also does the work. To me, Kevin Holland it sort of feels like, oh, you took me down and you know you held me there. It's like that's a part of the game I don't really care about. So to me, it doesn't mean anything. Now I'm putting words in his mouth. I don't know if he feels that way, but it does look that way. You got to do the Jorge Masvidal bit. You can insult them all you want. For, you know, all that stuff. But you got to at least try to maximize your chances via defensive wrestling. And until he does that, I don't know what he's going to do.
1: You're absolutely right. I mean, this is the fight game. And to win a fight means that I impose my will over you. And and my will is whatever I choose that will to be. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what... I choose that will to be. If I'm beating you and I do that over you, then you lost to me no matter what. And you should take a look and see what where where you're deficient at. Um, the fact that and and this is what I mean about the the mindset. You know what I'm saying? The mindset after you lose and get dominated in one facet of the sport is not to say, oh well, you know, you dry hump me and stuff like that, and and to not take it serious is that you gotta be like, hey, I gotta I gotta work on this. You know what I'm saying? I think I think the world to Kevin Holland. And I think that Kevin is one of the toughest uh, guys and, and, lo- and has a lot of potential to rise to the next level and be one of those guys. But he, he's got to get it together here. and He's got to really start to turn it around uh, from a skill set standpoint and look at those areas where he needs to focus on and get better at without, without the, the reservation in it and just do what needs to be done. Let's,
0: uh, let's call an audible here, Rashad. So during right. the course of our wonderful discussion around Kevin Holland's defensive wrestling and everything else in between, Conor McGregor has been tweeting Dustin Poirier. Now let's back up a step here in just a second. Did you follow what happened last night with uh, Dustin on social media towards Conor?
1: No, I did not. All right, so not. I'll
0: set it up for you and the audience who may have missed it as well. So I guess Conor did a prediction video or some kind of video where he uh, predicted a fourth round stoppage of um, Dustin in their third fight, which is supposed to be on July 10th. Okay, and it was some kind of special maneuver. Maybe it was a kick. Maybe it was a punch. But it was a fourth round, you know, striking stoppage. Uh, Dustin last night took to Twitter, and on Twitter he, I'm gonna here it is. You can see it on the screen. That's a fun <laughs> prediction, Conor McGregor. You also predicted a donation to my foundation, the good fight, uh, and you and your team stopped responding after the fight in January. See you soon. July 10th, paid in full. Okay? Well, you can imagine this did not necessarily sit all that well with he and his team. Tar came out and made some kind of weird statement calling it low, and it's like, well, I'm not sure which one's low. Is it low to say you're going to donate money and then not do it? Uh, Or is it low to bring that up? I don't know. But okay, Conor McGregor has a different idea about things uh he's basically saying you know we i don't just give people money i want to know where it's going so he put out one tweet to that effect but now they're just going back and forth so let me read the ones that came out while we were talking this is Connor mcgregor to dustin poirier you're ripped you inb- inbred hillbilly <laughs> why do you wink with your ears you fucking brain dead hillbilly 500k with no plan in place ye hang tight fool you must be new to money. Well, sorry, you, Connor, but okay. The fight is off, by the way. I'm going to fight someone else on the 10th. Good luck with your old contract, kid. And there's one more. Let's see if we can get it. My team does their due diligence to make sure every donation meets the mark. My generosity is known. You will pay with your brain for this attempt at smearing my name. Shooting ass, shelling ass bitch. <laughs> Little bitch kicks from a shell. Good luck when you're caught, you're fucked. Okay, okay, Rashad.
1: Okay, okay. Your your
0: response to boy, Connor's pissed, huh?
1: Hey, listen, I love it because this is the Connor that we need. We need Connor to be pissed. We need Connor to be pissed. I don't want to see Connor shaking. I don't. I don't. I didn't. Listen, I I I like sportsmanship. I I really do. Don't get me wrong, but. I don't want to see Conor McGregor do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to see Conor in, in the state in the state that he's in because that's when we get the best fights out of Conor. Now, 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 uh, uh, Dustin a Diamond Poirier. I mean, that was a great call out because the truth of the matter is, you know, he he did say that he was going to to, to donate you know, to his uh, his foundation, and they were all buddy-buddy in the last fight and all those kind of things. So out of respect and, and your word of your man, you do have to, you know, do exactly as you say you were going to do as, as, as a man. As a man, you have to, you know, just on the strength. But uh, I love this action back and forth, and I, and I hope it carries over to the fight because the truth of the matter is I don't want to see Conor McGregor in another fight like that. I don't want to see it because right. he, he, he's... He, he's missing a part of what made him great. You know what I'm saying? And and what makes him great is the fact that he he does he does talk himself into the corner. And when he's backed into the corner, that's when he fights.
0: I, I got to tell you, Rashad, I like you a lot. I'm not donating 500000 to your foundation. <laughs> I want you to know that. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to offer you that kind of money to your foundation. I got to tell you when the last fight came around the rematch and people were asking me like casual fans like yeah but connor's like he's real nice now i aren't, i honestly believed and maybe you did at the time i don't know but at the time i was like well okay it's the the pre-fight stuff is not as fun now but you know he's rich he's older he's a dad he doesn't necessarily need to go to those places to get that out of himself he's a mature fighter he's developed in his skill set I don't know if i believe that anymore in fact i'm pretty sure that i don't i don't know that he needs to be like raging mad either to your point you got to be able to make some you know calculated decisions in a in the heat of the moment but dude when he's a little bit like you got to just be who you are perfect example if george saint pierre tried to do the thing where it was like fuck you bitch i'm gonna kill you you'd be like I don't know if this works for me. Even when he tried to Matt Hughes, uh, you know, this does not impress me with your performance, that kind of a thing. You were like, Jesus, George, this is terrible. What are you doing? (laughs) So you got him being a sportsman to your point, Rashad, that's who he is. Let's leave him that. Connor is a troll. Connor is a jerk. Connor's in your face and he's loud and he's kind of annoying. But that is the guy that produces, I think, the magic. It at least gives him some spark for observers to believe in.
1: Yeah. I, I totally agree with that, man. I mean, I think that's what was missing in his last fight was just that spark that that just, you know, um, I can't lose because I talk this much trash. And and now that he's, he, he's luring us back in. And here's the thing about it. Like when this fight was, was getting talked about over again, I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't want to see this It's a foregone conclusion. You know, Connor's done. I just didn't want to see it. It just didn't have that interest to me. Now, I'm interested. I'm interested because you know it it takes a different kind of complexion when you have Conor McGregor talking like this um, to Dustin. Because uh, for the most part, I didn't feel like Dustin does did. did, I mean, he didn't do well at all last time. You know, last time he he lost a fight before it even happened with the trash talking. So now we'll see what this this does to him. But having that devastating win over Conor last time. This this trash talk might just be a drop in a bucket of Dustin. He might just be like, say what you want to kid. I'm gonna own you.
0: Well, I see here's what I also can't decide. He's like, fuck you, fight's off. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna pay for this. Do you think the fight's off or no?
1: No, the fight's not off. It can't be <laughs> off. I mean, it, it, it's it's he needs a fight. You know what I'm saying? He needs it. He ne- Here it is, Dustin's, Dustin's allowing him back in the conversation by even having this fight.
0: What is the angriest you ever were, but like you could channel it. Is there a fight where you were like, you could just feel, maybe not even anger is the word, but just a a readiness to get the job done, but at the same time, it wasn't in control of you, you were in control of it.
1: It was the Rampage fight, I was just seething that fight. That fight was just one that, it it, it took very little to just set me off, And, and normally I like to stay in a nice playful mood and joke around and laugh. But there was no laughs about it. Like when it came fight week, I was just locked in, super intense, not laughing too much. Just uh, I needed I need to get this fight. I needed to get this W. You know, I felt I felt as if like Rampage was humiliating me, and I just needed to just shut him up. Hmm,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, I hope they make it on uh, on July 10th. The last thing I'd say about this is, what do you make of this idea? Like. Can you regain a lost fire? You you and I have probably seen a lot of fighters come and go and they kind of just burn out. And sometimes they burn out for like good reasons. Let me give you an example. I don't want to say people's names, but I've seen fighters. And by the way, this is very like, you know, I've seen fighters experience similar circumstances and it does nothing to them one way or the other. But I'm saying I've seen people like get right with religion. I've seen people become dads. I've seen people like. I don't know exactly how to say it. And they come into the game with like this anger from their life. And then as their life gets a little bit sorted and things begin to find order and the reasons why they were angry no longer apply to the world, I've seen them get calmer, but then not as good as a fighter as they used to be. And I don't know if you can recapture that. Now, I'm not saying that's happened to Connor, but you know his life has come together in pretty positive ways. Financial stability um, you know, familial stability, obviously, you know, there's trappings that come with being a celebrity and, uh, he's has his own problems with the law, but what, what do you make of this hypothesis?
1: That's a great hypothesis. I think you just kind of, uh, you know, uh, without even knowing it, describe what happened to me. You know, that's the truth of the matter. You know, when I first started fighting, I had like this, this residual anger that I had from my life and, um, there was no. There was no uh, putting it out There was no quenching it There was no satisfying it And, you know, I, I just needed to fight It was almost therapy for me And um, as life happened You know, and, and, you know I've been able to get successful in life And just just living uh, It changed a lot of those things And it, it allowed me to heal And I healed in those areas that were were uh, raw And uh, was, was a big part of, you know Was a big fuel to why I fighted why I fought. I'm sorry. Why I fought. And um, it, it as I moved to that that, that that place of healing, I just was like, why am I doing this anymore? So, can you get that fire back? You can get that fire back because what I'm talking about is perspective. You know, what I'm saying at one perspective, I fought like that because I had that mindset. You know, from from the perspective I was dealing with. But once I I, I was healed i i was you know still thinking from that perspective what i needed to do was i needed just to shift my my thinking you know change the game up it's all a mental game anyways right but when if you're able to change up the game change up the why you're doing it then you can definitely uh refuel yourself and change you know where the why you're fighting and if connor has done that then we can see a, a devastating connor in there but it's just a matter of just changing that why but you have to have that conversation with yourself hmm.
0: Right, it won't happen by itself. It's not. It's not automatic. No.
1: No. Uh,
0: Let's get to. uh, We'll come back to this if there's more developments on it. Uh, Team, I don't know if there's any other things that I'm missing. I don't think so. I think I got to the majority of it. Let me uh, move the show along if I can. Bellator 256, Rashad, took place on Friday on Showtime. All right. So a couple of your former best friends, there, Rashad uh, Ryan Bader, defeating Leota Machida in the uh, first bout in the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Let's talk about it here for just a second. Then we'll get to some of the other pieces. From the card itself, um, how, how did Bader look to you, Rashad?
1: He looked good. You know, one thing I, I've always uh, been a critic about Bader is sometimes that you know um, he can he can you know get off his game plan a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes he can. Be uh, be I guess coaxed off his game plan, and uh, he stayed very consistent, you know, and and the most part he was able to close the distance with his hands and take some really good powerful shots and just keep Machida on his heels. I mean, that, that was a tough fight going against Machida because Machida was. Burying in those heavy leg kicks and that's what Machita does really well and he sets these traps Machita does a really good job of setting traps and Machita's traps are this He throws really blistering leg kicks right and he just throws them out of nowhere So you on the outside you get kind of panicked and scared because when somebody throw heat at you throwing like a baseball at your hand You're like okay I need to hurry up and it forces you to take a bad shot or take a bad punch or just kind of forces your action When you don't need to when you're not ready and then that's when Machita capital now, Ryan Bader did a really good job of absorbing those big shots and then still staying calculated and then still setting up his takedowns and getting a takedown. That's something that we wouldn't have seen in Bader a couple years ago, but that just shows the development in Bader.
0: It did. So for me, I came away with like two things here from this, Rashad. One was I think Bader might be your favorite to win that side of the bracket because it was Lyoto, Bader. Then it was Corey Anderson. Obviously, he's still very much a player. And then Davlistan Yakhshomorodov, who is something of a unknown or at least, you know, not. we don't know how he's going to do at this level kind of a thing. So you would imagine it's probably going to be Bader versus Anderson, although it may not necessarily be. I'm like, he might win the whole bracket. He is the heavyweight champion. He still has a lot of skills to compete and get wins, but I don't, you know, what is he, 37? I didn't learn it, 36, something like that. I didn't learn anything new. To me, what I definitely learned was that, like, Machida did really well in that first round. In fact, I, I thought he won it. And then yeah. he fell off of a cliff. I think he's 43 years old. He might be 42, but 43 soon. Father Times caught up with him. I know he's smart. I know that, um, you know, he's well liked. Uh, he's been in the fight game a long time. He's done some big things. I don't know how you can watch this and say, yeah, it's got to be hard to have a big Ryan Bader barreling down on you. Okay, fine. But also, you know, that's the guy from 10 years ago that would have done that? I, I don't think that's true,
1: Rashad. Yeah, you're right in that respect because um, I've seen when that fight, Machida just kind of trailed off in an energy perspective. And the thing that, to your point, would made it seem as if, like, you know, maybe he's a little bit – you know, getting to that point where he needs to think about is this what he needs still wants to do? It's a recovery, right? When when you're getting tired like that and you can't recover and just don't seem to be able to do it, then it's like you know the the reserve isn't there, and um, it, it might be time in the legs too. The legs is what I look at. The legs didn't look uh, as strong as they need to. Early out they did, but just um, after the fight got going, his legs were kind of getting stuck in the mud when, when he needed to be moving and the old Machita would have been out of there and that's how he was able to catch people in those traps was his legs. So yeah, you're right about that. And um well, beside when yeah. you
0: say when you say legs, just to clarify to clarify, do you mean like his footwork or do you mean that the legs themselves were a little bit wobbly?
1: Um, well, yeah, his foot, his footwork and it looked a little bit wobbly like You know, there there was times where, because early out in the fight when he was fresh, he was you know using those leg kicks to kick and then move out of the way when Bader was closing in. But then after a while, you seen Bader just come and press the action, and then Machida not being able to get his legs out, and then even off the jab where Machi was recognizing that the next motion that Bader was gonna do was a level change for the takedown. He stopped even recognizing that motion and really just getting his plant, uh, his foot planted for the defense with a punch and getting just blown over with the takedown. So his legs were getting stuck a little bit.
0: Hmm, interesting. Uh, okay, so elsewhere on the, actually, you know what, let me ask you. Um, do you share my opinion that Bader is the in your mind? Is he the favorite to win that side of the bracket again? Uh, he already beat Lyoto, so the other two would be um, Anderson and
1: Um I think that Yakshimiradov is a bit small, so I think that he's going to get beat by Corey Anderson. Yeah. But I think the pace that Corey Anderson has is going to be something that, that that challenges Ryan Bader. You mm-hmm. know, and and the fact that he's you know i mean ryan bader has a really good rolling left hook and, and some power in those hands but those are combinations that sometimes he kind of jumps into and with a guy like Corey anderson who has great straight linear punches and at the same time has really good le- level changes with a good pace that might be a uh, big challenge for him bader's got a big punch though you know i yeah, know uh, that's that's the thing that's the thing and Corey and Corey sometimes has trouble taking that big punch
0: right it should be kind of interesting all right the last part of the bellator 256 uh, storylines here Kat Zingano versus the winner of Cyborg Smith. Now, they, they already fought Cyborg and Smith in the UFC at 140-pound catch weight. Cyborg, you know, made short work of her. I don't, I don't know what else to say. She made short work of her. So, that is gonna, they're going to run that back. But this time, of course, at the, at the 145 pounds, um, it'll be for the title. Let's say it ends up being Cyborg, okay? Which I, I suspect it will be, but let's see. You think Kat Zingano can out-wrestle her for five rounds?
1: Yes. Yes, I think Whoa, she can wrestle. Okay. I think she I think she can because here's the thing about it. I don't necessarily think that um Cyborg has the best wrestling in the world. I think she makes a lot of mistakes in the grappling. I think if any if you're going to beat her anywhere, it will be in the grappling department, you know? So, I think she definitely has a chance in that capacity, but she she can't be afraid. And that's one thing that 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 stopped her in the last fight and that's the thing that stops a lot of people from being Cyborg is just the fear factor alone. Hmm
0: um i i'm skeptical of her chances to be honest with you because here's the thing about i was having this debate with bc as well and everyone's like oh cyborgs in the twilight of her career which okay fine that's probably true it's definitely true uh she ain't showing a lot of signs of slipping though man like she's pretty she's still pretty much the same i mean there's some differences but she's more or less the same cyborg um then she then she has been the last few years she's a little more disciplined she's not as wild as she once was and while i do think that kat is probably the better wrestler of the two overall i don't know cyborg this is what you were getting at earlier dude she competes with a certain level of intensity uh throughout the course of a fight that i don't know i see zingano do
1: yeah well, LT, here's the thing. Like, like you said, I, 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 agree in that respect, and I, and I, and I think that, yeah. Overall, I think that her her chances are, you know, slim to none, and Slim left town. But at the same time, <laughs> um, I, I think that if she can get the fights in the areas where you know she can you know contest with the physical aspect with the grappling i think that can be a bit challenging for 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 cyborg but it's it's, it's all about the stand up how is that stand up exchange going to go what is how is cat feeling comfortable with the transition right before she goes for the shot because the shot is one thing but being able to get the shot on a consistent basis where she's able to make um, Cyborg have to really dig deep to defend it, that's another thing. And that really only happens when you can get Cyborg to engage, blocking some of these punches up here where she can penetrate deep off a takedown.
0: All right. So we'll come back to the UFC card as well. I, want to point that I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, let's go to something else that happened on Showtime all over the weekend. So Bellator was on Friday, boxing, Showtime Championship Boxing was back on Saturday and we had told everyone about I, I said to everyone I, I listen I'm not some kind of boxing expert but I think about I I don't know about a year ago or so uh BC was like you got to see this guy Jaron Ennis and I watched him and I was like holy smokes he is he is good he was 21 22 at the time he's now 23 years old and he faced Sergey Lipinets in the main event on uh Saturday I think at 147 pounds, pure welterweight and he beat him easily i mean it was uh he did whatever he wanted to i remember watching it bc is on vacation rashad and he hit me up and he goes how did how did ennis look and i told him i said dude lippinets was he was never in this fight he landed a couple of decent shots you know through the course of whatever it was five and some five rounds and some change but not not really much Jerron ennis does and did almost whatever he wanted to. Rashad, you've been around a lot of fighters and a lot of kickboxers, a lot of boxers too. For 23 years old, can you tell me and tell the audience just how good Jaron Ennis is?
1: Absolutely phenomenal. And listen, his ability to change stances and fight effectively out of both stances it is what I was most impressed in. Like most people, when they change stances, there are some holes when they change to the side they're not familiar with, defensively speaking. But you couldn't find any of those holes at all in Jaron. He just looks super fluid and super fast with those combinations and the power that he threw with those combinations was crazy. And I love the fact that he's able to change up speeds. The fact that he changed up speeds, the way that he does on his combinations makes him that much more effective. I haven't seen a guy fight like this meaning from left to right changing up stances in boxing since Marvin, marvelous Marvin Hagler. I mean, rest his his soul, one of the greatest fighters at fighting from that uh, switch stance. But you look at Ennis, 23 years old with great punching power, being able to switch stances like that and with a great punching vocabulary and great angle selection, the sky's Uh, the limit for this guy.
0: Why don't you see boxers change stances much?
1: Well, because with boxing, you know, um, they're so much more technical and they're only hitting from the waist up, you know? So w- when you switch up the stance, defensively speaking, you're, you're more vulnerable. So a lot of guys don't perfect the defense on that side enough where they feel comfortable enough to switch stances. And that's why they don't do it as like they would do. Because when they're in boxing, these guys are just uh, so efficient on their feet. And if you're going with a guy who's really efficient, you don't got a chance if, if you switch stance and you're not defensively put together.
0: When you talk about him switching the tempo on his punches, do you mean like, let's say he throws a three punch combination, he'll go slow, slow, fast? Like, he'll change yep. tempo in the middle of a combination? Like, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, by that, I mean, yeah, he'll start off making his punches look one way, and then as you're seeing his hands go one way, then he changes on another speed on you, and it makes it really hard to, uh, to even stop that if you're if you're on a defensive side because you're looking at it one way and your speed is for another way, and then he comes and just brings it that much harder. It, it's hard because you, you don't really see it. You don't really see it at all. You just feel it. You're just like, man, I, I didn't even know what he hit me with. You honestly feel like the referee jumped in and hit you with something.
0: <laughs> the referee's uh, also against you. You have to fight yeah. the opponent and the referee. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, terms of, in terms of being 23 years old, he doesn't look 23, right? He looks, I mean, he does look 23. He's a young guy. But what I mean in terms of his skill set, um, people have been talking about who he should fight. And I saw some people throw out the name Keith Thurman. You 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 don't believe Keith Thurman will take this fight. Why not?
1: Nah, Keith Thurman better not take this fight. I mean, Keith Thurman's been out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Keith Thurman, he's 32 years old. So he's, he's still in his prime. And, and he's going into a stronger year. I think those years between 30 to maybe like 34 is, is sometimes your strongest times. But. You know, um, Keith Thurman's been out for two years and he's coming off a loss, uh, with Manny Pacquiao. And just you know, haven't been active when you haven't been active, you don't want to step in there with the guy who has been active and who's younger and who's surging and, and who you know hasn't had their, their, their chance to be at the top. So, for them, you know, they're looking at you know being up there, um, as, as a champion. And if you're not willing to match that with that mindset, then, then you can get chewed up. And for Keith Thurman, it won't be a good fight for him. Oh, well,
0: it's just a, uh, one note about Jerron Ennis, if I can. This is a conversation, obviously, I wish BC was here for because he would probably be, uh, you know, full of delight and glee. But I, I've said something to uh, BC about Jerron, and I said the same thing about Teofimo. I've said about MMA fighters too, Teofimo Lopez, about MMA fighters as well, which is that sometimes when I watch a guy, let's say he's up and coming, right? So let's say for the MMA side, he's either brand new to UFC contender series or, you know, LFA, that, that kind of a level sometimes you'll see a prospect coming up and I use the words they their talent jumps off the screen they just do, they move in ways that a neophyte doesn't they have a certain sophistication slickness efficiency smarts well-roundedness you know and I thought Teofimo Lopez before the Lomachenko fight was that way Ennis is that way have you can you think of a time when you saw someone and it was like immediately clear to you uh in their early stage that they were going mm-hmm. to do something special because their talent jumped off, you know, the the page or the screen or uh, you know, whatever was in front of you.
1: Yeah, the last time I felt that way, I was in China and I met this guy who reminded me of John Jones, and I even said, "Man, you remind me of John Jones." He said, "I'm not. I'm Adesanya." Oh shit! <laughs> and he went out there and he put on a beautiful performance, but what? And it was just kickboxing and it and, and after watching him perform i was like wow i was like i was calling the ufc like yo there's this kid that you, you guys got to take a look at he was just phenomenal to me so well,
0: how was china where were you in china
1: oh man i forget i was in one of those uh crazy cities man it, it, it was a, it was a big city uh, of course uh being in china but uh china china was uh china was uh, I don't want to talk trash, but China's like one of the, one. It was like one of the dirtiest places I've been, man. It was dirty. It was I've dirty. Heard, man. Uh, this is
0: true. Uh, do do, do and again? I do not know if this is true, but someone who lived there told me it's true. Do they in certain places? Do they uh, spit a lot? Is that true?
1: Yeah, in certain places. In certain places, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a different culture. It's just so it's just so so different. It honestly felt like I was like in a different different world man just a different world like they they they, they honestly don't even see you sometimes they like almost walk right through you you know what i'm saying hmm. and it, it, it's a different environment the environment in china but uh it was a good time though it was definitely a good time i went i went running on the streets in china and they seen me they were looking at me like what is this big old black man doing <laughs> running around it was trippy
0: my friend is persian right so he's, he's from iran so you know he's all hairy and whatnot. He's a small dude, but he's all hairy. He told me, um, he told me he lives in New York, right? And he told me that uh, he went to Japan, not China, and he couldn't believe how racist they were in in Japan. Oh, yeah. uh, he says he went to get on a bus there in Tokyo, and uh, it was crowded. And he said everywhere he went, everyone gave him. A two foot radius like he sat down on the bus <laughs> and everyone who was sitting there next to him got up and moved uh, down to the end of the bus that rather than be next to him I was like Well, that's because you're, you know, you're ugly and no one likes you. But uh.
1: yeah, I mean, it's 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 like that in Asia, though. It's like that in Asia. When I was running around, they were looking at me. They were just like amazed. Like they would stop and take pictures. Some people would come and touch me. The kids were running from me. They didn't know what to think. (laughs) They never seen a black dude in real life, man. It was crazy. You know why? Because it's crazy for me to see somebody who has never seen nobody black, and just their reaction to me was funny.
0: That is yeah, that's interesting. I, obviously, I've never thought of it that way, but that is that is true. That's crazy. Um, all right, let's get back on the UFC side of things if we can here. I want to phrase the question in a bit of a different way. So let's go back to UFC and ABC two for just a second if we can, Rashad. Now both of the names I'm about to say did amazingly well, okay? really, really well. There's no wrong here. But let me ask you this, who improved their stock more? Mackenzie Dern, with a win over Nina Nunez formerly Nina Ansaroff, or Arnold Allen with a win over Sadiq Youssef in the mm. co-main cool event?
1: Oh, man. I got to say Mackenzie Dern, you know, with, with uh, four in a row and just looking so good since she's come back from having a baby and just kind of showing that she's closed the area and the gaps that, you know, that we're seen with the stand-up. You know, with the stand-up with, with uh, Mackenzie Dern, it has gotten so much better, and it just adds to her jiu-jitsu. She's really looking like a world-beater at strawweight, man.
0: She is, you know, so we'll start with her. Um, You know, what's interesting about it? First of all, she's making the weight no problem. Remember when she came in like seven or eight pounds over in a 10? Mm -hmm. I mean, she was closer to the next weight class than she was her own. You you didn't see any of that. She made weight. I think 115 is the right weight class for her, not 125. And yeah, Nina was coming in on short notice, but we had saw what she'd done to Tatiana Suarez, stuffing a lot of takedowns. She's a good power puncher. And here's what I like about Dern. I think Dern was getting a little bit too comfortable in the striking. Like, it's weird, Rashada. Sometimes you see these grapplers, the high level ones, right? The ones who win medals at IBJJF and ADCC, that kind of a thing. And they come over, and sometimes they have a lot of difficulty with getting used to the striking. And then sometimes they kind of want to prove that they have no difficulty. And then they end up taking a lot of punches, but they're really comfortable with it. And she was kind of getting towards that territory where you're overcompensating for how much you have to learn and deal with in that particular environment. Here, I am certain, certain, she is still working on her striking. And to your point, those transitions to close the distance, she has gotten really better at. But she's also just going back to like, dude, where do you have the advantage in these contests? Clearly on the ground. Clearly. They can train the rest of their lives and they're not going to get as good as you there. Not not even remotely close. So you got to find a way until your striking comes along, even if you're comfortable there or in your mind you're comfortable, just dance with the one that brought you here until you don't need it anymore, uh, which is not currently the case right now. It's an efficient, simple – it's like Khabib. By the time Khabib was done – Rashad, you know better than me. I don't think he was the world's best striker, but he was competent. He was perfectly competent on his feet. And that that gets you far if your ace in the hole is Habib level wrestling. Well, with Mackenzie Dern, you don't need to be, you know, Yolani and Jacek. You just need to be somebody who is, use your jujitsu and then build the pieces along. And when you need to lean on them, they'll be there. I think that's a much smarter approach.
1: I, I totally agree. And, you know, it goes back to what we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about Marvin Vittori, you know what I'm saying? Not having that one skill to really be like, oh, you need to watch out for, her. well, with Mackenzie Dern, she has that skill and, and with the striking that she has now, you know, now she knows that she can get the fight down to the ground and just, you know, make it short work. And what I've seen in her in this last performance was kind of like Ronda Rousey-esque type of, you know, poise and control and just that. That, that foregone conclusion as if like, you know, if this fight hits the ground, it's a wrap. I'm going to take the arm and it's going to be a short night. You know what I'm saying? And that's mm. what that, that's that's the kind of level that I see that um, that, that Mackenzie Dern can continue to be at. You know, she can continue to, you know, solidify herself in this weight class and just be that efficient. I'm gonna strike with you. But if I get you down on the ground, it's over.
0: Yeah, and I love there was one moment there where she was, I think, uh, either sitting or uh, uh, off or Nunez was on her back, and I think she was looking to get up. And you had, I think, an overhook on the right side from Dern. And so she was... it It wasn't sunk down on the ankle, but, you know, she could have easily slid back for it. And she was trying to pass. She did the bit where she stepped to her left, put her right knee in the center line and was trying to knee cut right through the middle. And you had Nina... Uh, coming up to stop it but that's when she grabbed the leg so essentially Dern was saying look here's your choice you're either going to give up the pass or you're going to give me the leg lock decide which one you would like to do and she gave up the pass as a consequence now you can go back and debate whether or not that was the smart call but I'm just pointing out Dern doing stuff like that and the ease with which she can do it like there are a lot of good grapplers that positionally just get to a position and they hold it they can't do a whole lot with it they can take the back but they're not like a threat from the back like think about how long Kevin Lee had like Ally Quinta's back, and he just could not get close to finishing it. Dude, when Dern gets on the ground, <laughs> the finish is a-coming. It ain't far behind. And it's because she gives all of these pick-your-poison scenarios. That is, I mean, who else in your mind on the ground in MMA is even close to that, that kind of a level for the women's side?
1: No, no one, to be honest. I mean, I'm thinking. Uh, um, there's some good grapplers, but not some like good, it, that. Yeah, there's there's some good grapplers, but I mean just not that not that clutch like Mackenzie. I mean, she's that's why I brought up Ronda Rousey because that's what it kind of reminded me of. You know, just the efficiency of her her skill and you know once she once she got her down to the ground. You know, what I mean, you know the arm bar was there, but she was set up for so many other things. And when you have someone so efficient in grappling, you know, you can they can take you down, and then at that point you're in a different world where they look like they're going for one submission, but they have like two or three right in front of them.
0: Right, and the other one too was there was a moment there I forget. I think Anselroff was leaning on her side. She was already, um, you had a, a Dern on top and she had like a knee on the ribs and then a knee on the face. And it looked like an unstable position, but for anyone who's ever rolled with like a high level black belt, they can hold those positions. They can control and balance. They can control you and balance themselves at every little stage of it. You can roll and buck. You'll just end up in a, a similar but ultimately just as bad a position. You're not going anywhere. And that kind of a skill, it's like, dude, if you're that good, fucking use it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, Jesus Christ. I can't believe we had to ask for this, but she she seems to have come along. Now, I don't want to forget Arnold Allen. He has not fought a lot, Rashad. And so as a consequence, he hasn't really made a bunch of noise. But I tell you what, Sadiq Youssef, who's out of this part of the, the, the country, from Nigeria, but he lives in the uh, D.C. area, he is a handful, young, aggressive, powerful. He makes pretty good decisions, but it looked to me that Allen just, you know, Allen's not Alan's not a bad athlete, but maybe he's not the athlete that Sadiq Youssef is. He can hit hard, but he's not going to be the power puncher that Sadiq is. And I do think Sadiq is a very talented Thai striker, but this was my takeaway, Rashad. See what you think. Allen just had a little bit more weapons to play with, a little bit more of a range to go to, and that was enough to make the difference.
1: Yeah, I agree with that assessment. And also to add to that, Allen had a smoothness, you know, and that smoothness allowed him to uh, make make Sadiq miss a lot of punches and make him work a lot harder. You know, when when uh, um, you know, uh, Alan was getting to these angles and just sliding off. You know, the slides that he was using was just so impressive and just really made it uh, so that Sadiq was so out of position and being out of position like that allowed the Connors for Alan to come back in. And Alan does such a good job of fighting in so many different ranges. He can fight long, he can fight in close. And, and if you forget that he can fight long, you know, he'll remind you and he'll drop you from the outside like he did Sadiq with that big right hand. So he has a lot of different tools, a lot of flow. His flow is amazing, you know, with the striking uh, and he goes to, for the takedowns and even how he even gets the takedowns. He's not really working a lot to drive the takedown down, Take to drive the takedown. He's getting it in position. His position is so flawless and so good on the entry, he was beating Sadiq, and Sadiq was getting takedown just off the position alone. So this kid is a special talent.
0: Yeah, he he really is. In terms of Sadiq Youssef, he's still got time. I think he's 28 or so, 27, something like that. Um, What do you say about his development? Like when he fights on his terms, he's a handful but I wonder if he like he's one of these guys where it's like oh you should see my grappling it's underrated and I'm like right I, I, I bet that it is I bet it's actually pretty good this 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 sort of youthful mentality of like on the one hand you know Rashad we're saying if you're this good if you're Mackenzie Dern you should use it and yet here we are at least I am saying about Sadiq it's like maybe there's ways to mix in a little bit more or or I, what would you assess from him in terms of like what he needs to get to that next stage.
1: Well, he needs to start to being able to take the fight where um, where where he, where he can. You know what I'm saying? Starting to pose more of his will and start, like you said, mixing in his takedowns or even uh, mixing in the effort for the takedowns. You know uh, what I believe happened to Sadiq was, you know, he he was he was landing the more uh, the busier the fighter landing the more sh- the. The most shots But When it came to land Those key shots He just wasn't able To land the key shots That scored in the judge's mind So at that point He needed to adjust His game plan And he didn't adjust His game plan Mm. So that's that's what he's Going to have to learn That you know Sometimes you're in a dogfight And 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 the guy's just got You know Edging you out At that point You have to Be able to say Okay I need to uh, You know Take some recon And see what I need to do The next round And then come a little bit different And we didn't see Sadiq change anything From round one to the end of the fight even when he was losing
0: can you think of a fight where you went back to your corner they gave you some advice that maybe maybe you had thought of maybe you hadn't but you're like okay i'm going to implement that and then you did and then the fight changed
1: yeah uh, my a forrest griffin fight my forrest griffin fight forrest was you know, chopping me down the first couple rounds and then the third round, you know, um, Coach Winklejohn was like, Hey, w- what are you doing? You know, that's not what you're doing. You're staying on the outside. And when he's throwing that leg kick, we step in. We don't stay on the outside. We step in. And uh, when he told me that, step in, that's exactly what I did. He threw a leg kick the next round. I stepped in and I stepped in with a punch and I was able to get forced down. So right away, you know, if you're able to make those changes or hit that switch, but I didn't, and even in that fight, I almost didn't even, um, it, it could have went, you know, five rounds with me just getting outstruck by force like that and me trying to figure out or me trying to, to uh, get into my rhythm before I realized that if my coach had not said something. You know what I'm saying? So uh, Sadiq has to be able to make those adjustments in a fight. You have hmm. to.
0: Well, I think he's young enough where this went, and again, A, Sadiq Youssef is young. Two, he didn't get blown out by any stretch of the imagination, and and then three, Arnold Allen's really good. <laughs> he's really yeah. good. So I think that uh, you know, not a great day for Sadiq Yusuf, but I'm still pretty high on his upside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that Sadiq, you know, I think this is the first fight that he's dropped in the UFC. So yes, um, it 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 you need you need uh fights like this when you're in a UFC and your main goal is to be champion. You need fights like this because these are the fights where you learn the most. And he's going to go back and he's going to learn a lot from this fight and come back better.
0: I called one of his amateur fights. Did I ever tell you that? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, here's what's funny. I, I had this conversation with a friend a couple of years ago. It's like, let me ask you, Rashad. You ever forget MMA and forget combat sports. Have you ever seen somebody – who eventually went on to like high level pro athletics, but when they were like in high school, so basketball, football, something like that.
1: They were trash? We oh, oh, there he is. Go ahead. You say, have I ever seen anybody go pro? And they were, how, yeah, I've, so, sorry. I've seen.
0: I've... Uh, let me ask the question again. Here, here's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I saw Grant Hill when Grant Hill was in uh, high school. You yeah. know, and watching him compete with other high schoolers was like comical. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I see, or I watching see, Zion, I see. his last year's Zion Williamson, when he was just yeah. dunking on like five foot nothing white guys in the middle of South Carolina. I mean, it was fuck. It was a fucking joke, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Sadiq was on that level, but let's just say he made short fucking work of his opponents. I mean, it was, it was not long. They, they were not long for this world.
1: Yeah, so he was a man playing among boys, pretty much, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, he fucked those guys up. I mean, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen anybody in like a, in like a who went on to do big things and like stick in ball sports, but when they were younger?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and they just looked like they were just like the the competition would you <laughs> know take years and years to catch did up. Did you so. ever?
0: What, what year did LeBron graduate high school? Like two thousand three or something, something like that. Yeah, I think it was two thousand and three. S- something like. Do you ever
1: did you ever watch LeBron with his high school team? Oh yeah, yeah. I I followed him. I followed him uh, coming up, man. I followed him coming up.
0: I mean, I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke what he was doing. And those other dudes were all like trying to pretend like they were all part of something special. I'm like, you fuckers have you know a superhero as an as a teammate, and you think you're talented? Fuck off! All right, (laughs) dude. Last but not least, Rashad, we go to a question here that is. I don't take delight in asking it. I never take delight in the suffering uh, or the misfortune of the guys in which we cover, unless they richly deserve it for some kind of reason. But even then, as controversial as Mike Perry has been, you know, a favorite of a certain um, uh, word that starts with the letter N un, un, you know, unjustifiably. But forget all that for just a second. He goes in there this weekend, and he not only loses Rashad, he looked lifeless I mean there was really not only that he got on social media afterwards and said I used to be great so I was like you know what am I misremembering things so I went back and I watched some of his losses and some of his wins I watched the Felder win the Jake Ellenberger win which was a really nice one and I saw some of his other ones he was very much unrefined and unpolished but there was a certain verve and pop and step that he had when he was competing dude he looks Not interested, what would you say about Mike Perry? What's
1: gone wrong? You know, he's let what's going on 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 the outside of his life, you know, find you know, sleep into the cage. And uh, it's this MMA game is tough, man. It's really tough because you know, there's so many different things that can bring you off your game, you know, and what you don't really see a lot of the time is how your personal life starts to erode what ha- what you've built into the cage. And that's what we see happening right now with Mike Perry, you know, it's just, you know, his outside of life and, and not being able to focus and not being able to put uh, in that professional effort, you know, from, you know, having the right people in his corner to being able to go to camp to all the different things that a professional athlete needs to compete at this level. You know, Mike Perry has been able to, um, be very fortunate and, and, and just ride off, you know, some of the skill levels that he has, and, and you know, stay in a lot of these fights, and to uh, you know, be remembered as, as one of the toughest guys in, you know, in his weight class. But you know, when you're not refining yourself and you consistently do it, fight after fight, then you then you continue to uh, erode your skills, and that's what we're seeing. In Mike Perry just skill erosion you know all the skills that you know he may have picked up and he's been you know uh, he fine-tuned in Orlando and, and those kind of things you know now you're starting to see that fade because he's it's the discipline it's like Mike Tyson when he left Model. you know f- for a residual he had it for a while but then after a while you've seen him stumbling over the basics uh, of his style yeah. and that's what you see in Mike Perry.
0: Can he get it back?
1: He can get it back. He can definitely get it back. But, you know, that all that all takes, you know, him being honest with himself. He's got to be honest with himself. He's got to be able to have that hard conversation with himself. You know, he has, uh, you know, Miss Latouria corner him and, and, him and everything. And um, it's all fun and games, but it's all fun and games until it's not fun and games. You know what I'm saying? And and I think he needs to really start to um, think about things like, OK, I need to do the things I need to do in order to approach the next fight as if it's my last because I think it might be I think it might be his last on the contract
0: it is his last on the contract. and by the way they could cut him after this because it it was a loss I don't know that they will but like Dana Dana was asked like I think it was either maybe it was the Tim Means fight maybe it was the Jeff Neal fight I don't really remember he had lost and someone was asking him you know do you want to keep Mike around because he's just you know he hasn't put two wins together since 2017 he's lost four of his last five and the one he won was against Mickey Gall with wrestling and I, and I think I forget which one it was but someone asked him you know the question and Dana's answer was you know it's fun to keep Mike around and it's like okay it was <laughs> but if you're fighting like that like there was nothing about that performance that was electric like win or lose okay fine you know you go out in your shield and you can have like the Melvin Manhoff style like you know you can you can ha- you can have a situation where you're going to lose fights that maybe you should have won if you had fought more carefully. But you know Melvin Manhoff is like it was in his prime, like this force of nature who just came in like the Tasmanian devil. That's a thing you can do. But if you're not going to do that and then substitute it with something else, you're just going to do that at a less level. It's not even fun anymore. Like what, the, the right, thing that Dana right. was saying, it's not even manifesting itself. It's just it's just like lifeless losses in a way.
1: Yeah, you're right, man. I mean, he's he's fighting as if like he doesn't want to be in there, and that and that's when that's when it's time, you know, for them to make the decision of should they have him in there. You know, when you fight like you don't want to be in there, they will make that decision for you. And um, hmm. I I think a big part of that is just you know. Mike don't even know where to even look for the black box that was his career. He doesn't even know where to look for it. He doesn't know where to, to look and see where things go wrong. And that's how it happens sometimes. Sometimes, you know, your, your, your failure and your downfall is so, so subtle in your mind that you don't even see where things went wrong. So you don't even know what say. Okay, I'm going to change this in order to get myself right again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to you got to figure out what's going on, because you got. You got to know. Um, you got to get right before you get left. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that's and that's just the truth of the matter. He has to get right before he get left, and it looks as if like now he's he's about to get left. Um, I, I I would love to work with a Mike Perry. I would love to work with a Mike Perry and kind of see if he can uh, get those get it back on a mental level.
0: You can see physically, he still looks the part, right? You know, he he doesn't come in out of shape, which I think is a good thing. Well, you know, I don't know what happened against Tim Means. I, don't, I forget if yeah Perry missed weight for that one, but certainly in this one he came in on weight and okay, so you can do those parts, but like ah, I, there's just a there's a zip and a pop missing, man, and um, it is costing him quite quite badly. All right, so those are our six topics, I guess. Connor is now trending on Twitter, by the way, for folks who care. Uh, <laughs> let's get to where you get to ask us some questions. It's time now for DMs from donks. There's our donkey. All right. So every Sunday we put up a post on uh, Instagram and we solicit questions. You guys fill them up and then the producers pick five of those f- five of those for us to answer. All right, let's kick things off here, Mr. Evans. This is from uh, either Mr. Simon UK or Mrs. Iman UK. I'm going to guess it's Mr. Simon. Would Till have beaten the Marvin that showed up Saturday night? What do you think?
1: You said, well, who have beaten jail No,
0: no, no. Darren Till,
1: the originally scheduled oh, opponent. Oh, Till, Till. Would Till have beaten? Um, geez. I don't know, because here's why I say I don't know. Uh, I know that Marvin would have fought differently against a Darren Till, you know? Darren Till is is so dangerous with his striking and the fact that he fights very big and he has a lot of pop on his punches too so I could have seen Marvin grappling a bit but I don't see that him being able to have that kind of control being able to hold Darren till down or anything like that so it would have been a much different fight I think it would have been largely contested on the feet though
0: yeah it's like here's the thing I don't know I, I I tend to think that till might have at least early put up a much more difficult challenge it's just Just in the takedown defense alone, you know, not that he's like some expert wizard in takedown defense, but, you know, relative to Kevin Holland, he probably is. Um, Late, I don't know. But I'll say this, because I don't know, I would still like to see that fight. And because Marvin Vittori still needs another win, in my judgment, before he can be really in that space where you're like, okay, man, we got to get this guy a title shot. I say run it back. I say run it back. If Till can heal, I've never broken a clavicle so I, that fucking sucks, I'm sure. Um, but if they can get on a similar timeline, do you still want to see it? I do.
1: Yeah, I still want to see if it can happen. But healing from a clavicle is, 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 is a tough one, I think. I, you, have you broken a, a clavicle? No, but I know somebody who did uh, break a clavicle. And it took a while for him to get right just because he didn't feel as if, like, it was strong enough, you know?
0: Man, I'll tell you what, what what is the, uh, do you have an, forget about anything related to the brain, just from the neck down, right? Um, Do you have an injury every day that you're reminded you have? Does that make sense? Like every day I open the fridge and I can feel it in my shoulder or every day I stretch and I can feel it when I wake up. Do you have one injury like that?
1: Yeah, my shoulder, my shoulder's like that. My left shoulder's like that. Did you have it repaired? No, I didn't have it repaired. I should have had it repaired and I might still have it repaired, but it's like one of those things where it's just it like some days is good, some days is it takes a while to get warmed up.
0: What did you do to it, do you know?
1: Oh, no, I don't even know, man. Just years <laughs> and years of just beating the hell out of it.
0: <laughs> I uh so I'm the king of shoulder injuries. I've torn my rotator cuff in this one and I tore my labrum in this one and I had to get oh. this one repaired. Um I actually, I'm reminded of the injury because what they did was uh, so I had torn my labrum so thoroughly, Rashad, that here's how I knew it was a problem: a, I could feel it pop, but uh, I was falling asleep, and then my so- my shoulder would fall out of the socket in my sleep, oh. and it would wake me up, and it would be super fucking painful, as you can imagine. Oh man! So they had to they had to sew it up. But what the guy the guy who did my surgery was the previous surgeon for the Washington at the time, the Washington Redskins. And um, so he told me, I'm going to stitch you up in such a way where you're going to lose just a little bit of mobility, but to do that, we're going to keep it safe. So we're actually going to tighten it so much that there's no possible way, you know, sort of a traumatic car accident to get back to where you were but i actually don't have the same mobility in my dude shoulders are complicated things i mean it's not like a elbow that just goes one you know bends in one direction they go all over the place and you fuck those up you're fucking up a lot of different life functions you know yeah
1: (laughs) so so he tightened it up though like does it feel a little like over tightened now or what yeah it does
0: actually so when i stretch (laughs) i have to take i have to do special on this side i don't know if it can show up on camera i'll do a little test here. You may not be able to tell. So if I put my elbows to my side and I just rotate out, it's about as far as I can go. Okay. You can't really see much. Okay. Now this is the one that's, I, I tore the the rotator cuff, but I did not get like to get surgery. So this is the one that's not been repaired. If I open this up, I can go all the way here. You can't quite see, but it's like I can go well past my side. Here I can only go 45 degrees, you know? So I can do yeah. 90 versus 45.
1: Yeah. See, Pretty that's the, that's the thing. That's the thing about it, though. Like, like, we you all have. A, we you have a recommendation, and you have like what the doctors say is going to happen after you have your surgery and you heal. But you never know how it's going to heal. Like I've always found like. My body never heals exactly how the doctors say it's going to heal. And then the doctor says, well, you know, your rehab was a little, nah, doc. It just wasn't like (laughs) how you say it. It wasn't how you sold me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was just, I didn't get surgery on this one because I felt like I didn't need it. I had to get it here. Like I didn't have a choice. It was so fucked up. I had to do it. So, you know, that it's not what it once was. I'm like, well, it was kind of better than it was at its worst. So we'll just leave it, I guess. Yeah. All right. From at angry Suddy. has bottom game defense evolved, Rashad? There has been a lot less solid ground and pound or elbows in full mount in recent history. I've said this before. I think I said it to you, as a matter of fact. Mount is a lost art. Passing is a lost art, and in particular, mounting and t- taking the mount and then holding the mount. There are not many guys you could say are like, whoa, they're really good at holding mount.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the bottom game was definitely involved. I mean, you know, it, it's really hard to hold the guy down now. It's really hard to even hold him in position where you can even uh, land some consistent ground upon. And that's what made Habib so amazing at what he was able to do because um, being able to consistently get guys down and grind them out and, and have the kind of pop that you hear in a Habib fight, you know, that that's kind of hard to do. Uh, and being able to do the wash and repeat, take the guys down and consistently hold them down at the same time, punching them, it's hard because now so many people like like you know, in order to just be at a decent enough level to be in the UFC, you're going to be at a level where you can you know mount a pretty good offense uh, defense to get back up to your feet. So it, it's hard to hold guys down nowadays. It really is.
0: Um, yeah, I know the days of Tito Ortiz taking someone down and beating them up inside their guard while pressing the back of their head into the fence. That was a real thing when you came up. That was a real way to win. (laughs) You couldn't imagine it anymore, you know?
1: Nah, you can't, man.
0: The game's evolved. Alright, let's go to uh, at GTM, I guess, gin and tonic uh, something. Do you think John Jones made a mistake in vacating the 205 belt while trying to negotiate with the UFC? Wouldn't he have had more leverage if he had held on to the belt, keeping 205 on hold. I don't know, Rashad. They could just strip his ass.
1: I mean, I I, I agree with that. That was my biggest assessment from the beginning when when the whole, like, uh, after the fight was over, he texted and showed me the money. I was just kind of just surprised by that text. I mean, I thought the money was talked about before we gave up the belt, John. That's what we do. We're not just giving up our belt. We're not just giving up. We're not just... Taking the step off the throne without having any guarantees. Like, I, I mean, I just knew that was the case, but I was wrong. I was, I was wrong about it. I I think that would have been the smartest thing to do. But now he puts himself in a position uh, where, where he has to prove that he deserves that. And, you know, to me, John Jones does deserve that kind of money all day. You know what I'm saying? When you're talking about John Jones, you're talking about arguably one of the best fighters to ever do it. But this is not what this game's about. You know what I'm saying? This game is not about who deserves what. This the game is about who can actually generate that kind of money, that kind of attention. Can this fight generate that kind of attention between Francis and John Jones? Potentially. Potentially it can be. It can. But that, that also has to do with how the fight is still sold in the stretch. You know, France is not much of a talker and John Jones is not much of a talker at times. So, you know, what is the other thing that's going to make people get really excited about this fight? And does that equal the UFC open up their, paper book, the, the, uh, their pocketbook,
0: you know? Do you think they'll make it in the end that'll happen in 2021?
1: Uh, I think... Th- not 2021, maybe 2022, hmm. because so the- I, I think 2021. I think it'll go to Derek Lewis, and I think that would probably be it for for that fight. Or it, it could, if it does happen, it may happen at the end end of 2021.
0: Okay, but you're not giving up hope for it just yet.
1: No, I think I think it has to happen. I mean, you know, um, that's that's the fight to make. You know, that that is the fight to make. It'd be it'd be a true shame to not see that fight happen, especially seeing how big John Jones is. John Jones looks big. And I think it's a mistake for John Jones to be like, I want to get as big as him. Wow, no, no. You don't want to be as big as him. And I say that because like, there's gotta be different, like, if I was John Jones, I would want to be in there to be the smaller one, to be the lighter one, to be you know to bring in some of those attributes attributes that that uh, a, a 205 ponder can bring. You know, being uh, faster paced, um, being more elusive, and being a lighter guy.
0: See, I have mixed feelings, Rashad. Obviously, you know better than I do. But let me let me just say this: like watching that Adesanya fight with Blachowicz, I've watched that fight a bunch now. Because I got a tape study coming out on Bohovic because, you know, I, I missed his rise completely. So I wanted to go back and, you know, figure out what I got wrong. But in watching that Adesanya fight, it's like, okay, you can make an argument. We're talking about the fourth and fifth rounds where he got the takedown, right, and, and held it. To me, you yeah. can make an argument, certainly on the feet, that him being nimble um, is going to be way more advantageous, even if he's giving up a little bit in terms of the strength department for, like, clinching or... Something like that, but it did seem to me, and I haven't talked to him or his team, but once he was on his back on the ground, that the weight differential between a Gastelum and a Blahovich, it showed up Hmm. to me, not Hmm. substantially, but enough where like, if you go back to the Gastelum fight, feet in the hips from Adesanya, pushing Gastelum off, firing underhook doing a technical get-up, like the whole thing, you know, he was able to physically match the intensity of a gas lump. I don't think he was able to get very close with Oblohovich. Now, you might be saying, well, is Francis going to do that to John? Yeah, you know, probably not. But I guess what I want to say is there's got to be some kind of a needle where you can thread where, okay, I still keep the speed advantage, but I also want to make sure that if I get into a compromised situation, I'm not going to just be overwhelmed by
1: muscle. Yeah, I, I. But here's the thing, though. I think unlike the Adesanya and Blahowitz fight, I don't. I think that John Jones' understanding of how to get up is, you know, is, is so far, you know, more supreme than Adesanya. I don't think, you know, he, he can get up with a guy who's, you know, physically stronger and uh, heavier than him, just off of the, the technical aspect of knowing how to move his body. Can he do it on a consistent basis? I don't know, you know. But but. I don't think that Francis would be able to get him down if he did get him down on a consistent basis. So I don't think we'd have to worry about that too much. I just worry about this. I worry about a John Jones who's a bit slower, who who doesn't have the ability to move his feet. You know, those kind of things can spell disaster against a guy like Francis Ngannou who hits like like he does. You know what I'm saying? And 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 for the most part, The last few fights of John Jones that we've seen, you know, it it was kind of close and these guys were able to land some shots. And, and you know, John didn't finish these fights and they were very close fights. And some would even argue the fact that John kind of pulled off the gas a little bit when it comes to uh, striking because he felt the power and the strikes coming back from his opponents. Now, if he pulled back because he felt the power from his opponents at the 205 division, what is he going to do with the heavyweight division when he feels the power of Francis Ngannou? Does
0: John need the extra weight to take Francis down? We know he's got the technique, but what what I, what I, sorry, let let me, let me phrase what I think, what what that means. It's not to say if he was the same kind of 205-ish, you know, without weight cutting frame. So let's say 215, 220, something like that, that he couldn't get Francis down. What I'm saying is, does he need a little bit of extra muscle over time for a three four round fight let's say is needing that little bit of extra heft to get francis down considering big fucking francis is enormous and athletic and uh, as, as we've seen getting pretty talented too
1: yeah he might he might need a little bit extra uh muscle for that but i think his weight gain and wanting to get bigger is just for his mindset you know what i'm saying like you know um you know not not to uh Bring in anything uglier to try to you know not allow him to get past his past mistakes, but a guy doesn't use performance enhancing uh, supplements because you know they're confident in how strong they are. You know what I'm saying? So if if we take that mindset, then we know that he needs to mentally feel stronger than his opponents to feel comfortable in the fight. You know, and that's not to not to throw any shade on John. That's just to be you know give a fair assessment and um, you know is he going to over over um is he going to overcompensate for that for that mental deficiency you know what i'm saying because it can be a mental deficiency i'm not saying that that is a, a fact but you know it, it could it could be a possibility that's why he needs to or feel he needs to get that exercise
0: from jm pepito 23 boots ennis Displayed an interesting style more seen in MMA than in boxing, where instead of the traditional boxing style with your guard up, he allowed his hands to flow freely to accommodate a more wide open stance that allows him to move and punch from different angles. Do you think young boxers will adopt this technique or stick with a bit of a more traditional fundamental? Rashad, you would know better than I. I just mean this. It's like, you see this in, a, in MMA too. It's like, oh, um, you know, I'm not comparing them to exactly, but it's something like, oh, uh, BJ Penn, and let's say prime BJ Penn, BJ Prime's flexibility or blah, 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 or BJ Penn's certain this or that. It's like, dude, Boots Ennis does a lot of shit that I would not recommend unless you're Boots Ennis or, you know, you're much more senior as a fighter. It's like, do I think if you could do what Boots Ennis does at scale, would it be good? Yes. I just don't think a lot of different people, even when they train young, are going to, you just can't do what that kid does.
1: No, you can't. And especially something like that, like something like that is is something that's so fundamentally based. And it's like, uh, you know, he had a really good coach in his early development that really drilled him doing that over and over again. And unless you're going to be able to have that kind of discipline from a coach, then you may not be able to develop that in your consistent, uh, you know, in your consistent style. You know what I'm saying? So it's just something that's unique to him. And that he's been able to perfect and look good. I think it's great. And I think a lot of fighters can uh, get a lot of benefit out of that kind of stance or using that kind of, uh, you know, hands up um, striking style. But at the same time, some people may not feel comfortable with it, you know, And, and that's what the game's about. Everybody, you know, feeling comfortable in just, you know, doing their skill.
0: And then, last but not least, Rashad, this one's for you. Uh, I did not pick these, so don't get mad at me if you don't like the question. All I think it'll, it'll be all right. From Taekwon Dude Memes, that's the name of the uh, account for Rashad. If you could do hallucinogens with any person, living or dead, <laughs> who would it be and why? And don't you dare say Brian Campbell. You're dead to me. If you say
1: that. <laughs> who would it be and why? Oh, man. I, I would say, uh, man, who would it be and why? Um, I would pick somebody like Dana White. Oh, I would, I would, I would, that I is love,
0: such a great answer. Tell me why.
1: Because um, I've hung out with Dana a couple times in a party situation, and uh, he's super fun to hang out and party with. But... It would be very interesting to see his his introspective side. You know what I'm saying? To see how 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 deep he gets and just being able to feel that um, that that magnificence of of this existence that we are part of. You know, it, it's it when, when the when the when the psychedelics get in your body, you just start feeling and talking in a certain kind of way. You know, you start feeling this interconnectedness, and I would love to hear Dan and White start talking on that level the way he talks. <laughs>
0: Um, all right, we're, we're a little bit we're a little bit low on t- uh, time here. Uh, by the way, I, I would in a different conversation, I want to talk to you about what they're doing in Oregon with psychedelic use for um, like legalizing it, basically for therapeutic purposes. I would love to have a conversation with you about that at a different time. We're a little bit short, so let's just wrap things up here if we can. Uh, time for the show, Rashad, where we do odds and ends. You are my esteemed uh, co-host, so please go first, good sir. What do you have for odds and ends today?
1: Odds and ends, you know, I was looking to see, um, you know, uh, Mike Tyson in Holyfield, but Tyson is, I mean, uh, Holyfield is fighting McBride, and I think that's kind of kind of a mess right now. You know, I mean, Mike Tyson's coming off hot of that fight with Rory Jones and, you know, being close with Mike Tyson. Mike is still training. Mike is training with Rafael Cordero, you know, consistently based, based uh, now, and, um, you know, he's He's looking so good, and he's feeling so good, and his mindset is around fighting, and uh, Holyfield has always been one of those guys who's, I guess, been his Achilles heel when it comes to competing in in professional life, so it would be good to see him and, and Holyfield get a chance to fight. I mean, this is the fight everybody wants to see
0: uh I I do not wish to see it. I will be candid <laughs> <laughs> I'm a born hater. That is what I am. Uh Oh, come and on. And we're going to talk LC. we're going to talk on Wednesday about triller and and uh the Paul brothers and Ben Askren, you and I. But uh yes, we'll see what happens with this one. I, listen, there's a market for it. There's a market for it. So I understand that. Um Last but not least for me, I was not on my radar. Brian Campbell put it on my radar, so I watched it. It was phenomenal over the weekend. Joe Smith Jr. uh capturing the vacant WBO light heavyweight title over Maxime Vlasov on ESPN. It was tremendous. This dude, Joe Jr., Joe Smith Jr., excuse me, out of Long Island, I think power puncher it's just one of these fights Rashad, where you just really couldn't tell who won well there was one part where vlasov took a knee but the ref counted it as a slip even though he took a knee from the body punches so at that point you're like i don't know and in fact the first score that they read was 114 114 i'm like oh here we go but um joe smith got it done just an absolute war a war really grinding affair the kind where when they ask the winner how they feel the very first thing that they say is all the credit goes to my opponent what a man what a warrior what a thing like they can't that's the first order Uh, of business and not because he's being polite but because it's on top of mind you know what i mean rashad
1: yeah like an old-fashioned slobber knocker like a mickey ward and (laughs) type of fight right one of those classic instant classics huh it was
0: something like that and it just it was just hard one of those fights where both guys were taking tremendous amounts of abuse and then and then finding ways to gut it out but joe smith jr got it done so shouts to brian campbell for putting that on my radar and shouts to the american uh joe smith jr for getting his hand raised uh all right so for us today that is it rashad Um, Let me remind the viewers to give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Go to Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go pound sand. If you want to take the plunge, there it is, show.com slash Bellator MMA. First six months for $4.99 a month if you're so inclined. Uh, You can follow all of us on social. You can follow Rashad Sugar Rashad Evans on Twitter and on Instagram. Morning Combat, same kind of thing. Uh, me, my names differ slightly between Instagram and Twitter. I don't even really use Instagram. Dude, my life is fucking boring. What am I going to share on Instagram that people, that, you know, I'm not documenting my boring life for audiences. But anyway, okay, you can go follow me if you want. Um,
1: hey, hey LT, LT, at least you know that. A lot of people don't know that their life is boring. They document it anyways. You're just like, why am I following this person?
0: Bro, it's, I know who I am. I'm a boring dad. That is fine. It's Okay uh and last but not least morning at gmail.com if you would like to send in something for dead wrong or fan submissions Morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be okay all right rashad it was wonderful talking with you enjoy the rest of your day i appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk on wednesday
1: thank you luke thomas talk to you soon my friend
0: all right for rashad for cbs from welcome for showtime i'm luke thomas that's rashad evans until wednesday may all of your gains be loyal